Hi everyone, welcome to Unforgettable, hosted by yours truly, myself Megan, and this is a true crime podcast. In today's episode, I will be covering the disappearance of Amy Lynn Bradley. So, welcome everybody to episode one. This is officially my first episode I am launching, so welcome. Thank you for listening. I decided to cover Amy Lynn Bradley's case today because it was truly one of the first cases that got me completely hooked on true crime podcasts. So, it's why I want to cover early on, and to be honest, it's truly heartbreaking what obviously Amy went through and her family and her friends. This case is unsolved and unfortunately Amy is still missing but we do have hope that one day she can be found so let's jump right into it. Amy Lynn Bradley was born on May 13th 1974 in Petersburg, Virginia and resided in Chesterfield County in Virginia making her 23 years old at the time of her disappearance. Amy attended college in Longwood, Virginia on a basketball scholarship and graduated with a degree in physical education. Amy was planning on starting a new job at a computer consulting firm after she graduated and was moving into a new apartment with her newly adopted bulldog named Daisy. So she was planning on picking up Daisy when she got back from vacation. So on March 21st, 1998, 23-year-old Amy boarded a cruise with her mom, Eva, her dad, Ron, and her 21-year-old brother, Brad. So the cruise was docked in the seas of Puerto Rico and was headed to Aruba and Curacao, docking in different locations. So it was supposed to be a wonderful, beautiful family vacation with family fun, but for Amy and her family, it took a turn. And I just want to point out that the Bradleys took regular vacations together at least once a year. So it wasn't their first time, you know, taking a family vacation. They knew what to expect of each other. They knew what they were doing in the sense of family vacations. So the second night of the cruise, the ship docked off the shore of Curacao and appeared to be a perfectly normal evening. Amy sent a postcard to her friend that said, quote, Hey girl, it's gorgeous here. We leave for Aruba tomorrow. I'll be home Saturday. Amy bought souvenirs in Aruba for her friends and she packed 15 rolls of film to make a collage for her coffee table and just really enjoying the trip and making memories with her family. The night of March 23rd, 1998, the Bradley's second night on the cruise, Amy and her brother Brad spent the night partying at the ship's club. They were dancing the night away to the ship's band, Blue Orchid. She was seen talking to band members, dancing with the bass player, whose name was Yellow, aka Alistair Douglas. I just want to remember his name because that'll be important later on. So around 3 o'clock in the morning, Amy and Brad decided to call it a night and return to the family's cabin. Before Brad went to sleep, he said to Amy, I love you, and got into bed. But unfortunately for Brad, this was the last time he would ever see his sister. The ship's door lock system shows Amy's brother Brad arriving to their suite at 3.55 a.m., while Amy arrived five minutes after, making it 4 a.m., But I'm unsure if this is completely accurate because I only found these timelines from one source. So I just want to point that out. But Amy's brother Brad stated that him and Amy sat on the balcony of their suite talking before he went to bed and last saw her sitting in the lounge chair on the balcony. Sometime between 5.15 and 5.30 a.m., 
Amy's dad, Ron, woke up and saw Amy resting in the lawn chair, but when he went back to check on Amy at 6 a.m., she was gone. Her brother did say that Amy mentioned that she may disembark to purchase cigarettes, and the sliding glass door was left partially open. Her sandals were inside of her suite, along with her ID and the nine pairs of shoes that she bought on the cruise, but her cigarettes and the lighter were gone. As a concerned dad, Ron searches the common areas of the ship, then told Amy's mom, Eva, and her brother, Brad, that he couldn't find Amy. So they immediately told the ship's crew and begged them to make an announcement to stop anyone from getting off the ship until she was found. Ron said, quote, don't let anybody off this boat. Someone has my daughter, end quote. The ship told the family it was too early to make a shipwide announcement and allowed all the passengers and the staff off the ship when it docked in Curacao for an excursion. So to me, this is just absolutely fucking bizarre. I don't know who made this decision, but you truly fucked up. And to ignore a family member's concern for their potential missing daughter and her whereabouts and let everybody off the ship is just absolutely insane. Anyways, so once the majority of the ship disembarked, the ship made an announcement for Amy to return to the front desk, but as we know, it was a little too late. The crew searched the common areas, but no staff rooms and no passenger rooms or bathrooms were even looked at by them. So the guard were contacted to search the surrounding waters and the ship for Amy. They spent five days looking for her, but there was no sign of her, no signs of foul play, or that she even went overboard. I just want to note that Amy was also a trained lifeguard, so she was clearly a, a strong swimmer. So even if she did go overboard, she could have swum to shore because they really weren't that far from docking anyways. And this then just turned their family's suspicion to the staff members. The Royal Caribbean Cruise Lines charted a boat to continue looking for Amy, but officially ended their search on March 29th, and the investigation came to a standstill. The crew were adamant that the cruise had to continue for the sake of the other passengers, and Amy's family obviously became frantic. Her family decided to stay behind and call the authorities who conducted a four-day search of the surrounding area, but nothing was found and her case went cold. Unfortunately, there were many dead ends in Amy's case. The family wrote congressmen, foreign officials, they even wrote the White House, but nothing came of this. They hired private detectives, built a website, and started a 24-hour hotline. They were doing everything they could to find Amy. About a month after her disappearance, her family returned to Curacao, rented a car, and drove around hanging out missing persons flyers. So within 24 hours, they received a critical tip from a taxi driver recognizing Amy from the flyer. He said that he saw her the morning that she disappeared and that Amy was Amy approached his car minutes after the ship docked and frantically asked where a payphone was. The driver said, quote, I'll never forget her green eyes, end quote. They looked everywhere on the island for more clues, and four days into the family search, Amy's brother Brad heard Amy call his name. Brad said that he knew it was her voice because she had a distinct way of saying his name. 
The voice seemed to come from a passing van and they started to follow it, but it wasn't there. Brad said he either followed the wrong car or he just imagined it. I do want to touch on some key things about the time Amy was on the ship. So Amy's parents, Eva and Ron, noticed the staff giving her special attention. Eva stated that she wanted, like they all wanted to know her name. They just paid a little bit more attention to Amy than they did with other guests. Ron also remembered that one of the waiters approached Amy saying, quote, they wanted to take her to some Carl and Charlie's restaurant when they docked in Aruba, but she said she'd never go with them because they kind of gave her the creeps. Also, the name before Amy disappeared, her mom Eva went to look at photos for sale that they were taken by the crew's photographers during dinner And despite knowing the photographer saying he remembered printing photos of Amy in them, none of them were there. They were all gone. So to me, this is just screaming so many red flags. It's really terrifying. And it's not her parents' fault. It's it's no one's fault by any means. I just think that clearly she was targeted by people on the ship, whether it was guests or the crew members. But her photo went missing about 9 to 10 hours before she disappeared. And according to her mom, she was definitely targeted. Also, I just want to note that the cruise line's attorney intervened in every single interview that they possibly could. Which again is just messed up. And why would a multi-million dollar cruise line not help to find a missing guest unless they maybe had something to do with it? So Amy's case went cold again and I'm kind of going to get into some of her sightings because there are multiple sightings of Amy. So in August of 1998, five months after, two tourists, one being a Canadian engineer, David Carmichael reported seeing a woman escorted by two men on the Curacao beach. This engineer claimed he saw a young woman with tattoos matching Amy's description. So she had a Tasmanian devil and a gecko. And he said, quote, she looked frightened like she was about to say something when one of the guys motioned her away. David was sure it was Amy. He reached out to Amy's family when he saw her picture on TV and said that she noticed he spoke English. So Amy walked faster towards him, but just before she could talk, the man pulled her away into a nearby cafe. So David thought it was strange, so he ended up following them, and this is when he noticed Amy's tattoos, and her family said that it matched Amy's description perfectly. While investigators immediately went back to search, there was no trace of Amy, but this tip convinced her family that she definitely was kidnapped, being controlled, and she couldn't escape, but... Unfortunately, this led to a dead end. Again, in 1999, in January, another man who was a U.S. Navy said he had been approached in a brothel in Curacao by a woman named Amy asking for help. Although he didn't say anything until a few years later because he feared he would get in trouble with the Navy for being in a brothel. He was also contacted by, oh sorry, he also only contacted Amy's family after he retired and saw pictures of her in a magazine. So when the authorities went to investigate this, 
the brothel had been burnt down, so once again, it hit a dead end. Then again, in March 2005, a woman claimed to see a woman matching Amy's description in a department store restroom in, the, in Barbados. Judy stated that she heard a man say, quote, the deal is at 11, you better not mess it up, end quote. The men left the restroom and she stated to Judy that her name was Amy and she was from Virginia. Judy kept talking and the girl tried to signal Judy to be quiet, but it was too late. The men opened the door to the bathroom and Judy pushed past four men and never saw the woman again until she saw a picture of Amy in an article about a missing person. Judy realized the missing person was the girl from the restroom in Barbados. Judy reported the incident and helped the FBI complete a composite sketch of the woman and the three potential abductors that she got a clear vision of. Authorities followed up with employees at the department store, but no one remembered seeing Amy or her captors leading again to another dead end. So this was seven years after her disappearance, but the same year that Judy saw Amy in the bathroom in 2005 was one of the biggest and most disturbing leads that her family had to go through. Amy's family were sent photos of a woman, also known as Jazz, said to be a sex worker in the Caribbean. This woman was dressed in lingerie and looked dazed, posting on a website advertising adult holidays in the Caribbean. According to forensic experts, they agreed that the picture was a perfect match for Amy, and Amy's mom told vanished saying quote when i first looked at the picture it wasn't the amy i know end quote the picture looks like a harsh and tormented amy but it gave them hope that amy was still alive the fbi tried to trace the website and locate the ip address but unfortunately they couldn't locate it so this sighting led to another dead end as if this poor family hasn't been through enough something even more disturbing happened. So after many leads of Amy's whereabouts and all these sightings, the family received what they thought was going to be a promising lead. A witness told the family that Amy was being armed by Colombians in Curacao. So a guy by the name of Frank Jones, who claimed to be a former U.S. Army Special Forces officer, said he could round up a team of ex-army rangers and ex-navy seals who could help him rescue Amy. And this was the first time Amy's family had hope at all to help her get back home. So Joan seemed as though, you know, it was kind of the only option and the officials in Curacao said that they couldn't do anything because there was no evidence of a crime, which is just very messed up. But the Bradleys agreed to hire Jones and save Amy. So Jones told them he sent two men to Curacao to speak to the witness, who was Judith Margarita. So she told the family she knew Amy was being held by Colombians on the island and regularly saw Amy grocery shopping, going to the gym, and she was with a man who had long blonde hair and tattoos. And Judith also gave an accurate description of Amy. Judith also stated that she saw her hum a lullaby that Amy's mom used to sing Amy when she was a baby. So the family was convinced that Judith was telling the truth. 
Jones reported to the family that Amy was in an extremely dangerous situation and his men were forced to leave the island because they were said, quote, fired upon by an estimated 10 men, end quote. Jones reported several reports on the latest sightings of Amy, terrified that Amy was in imminent danger of being killed. So after many months, Jones told the family it was time to attempt a rescue. Once Jones stated it was time to rescue Amy, he told the Bradleys that he needed more money and the Bradleys demanded proof that the woman they were tracking was their daughter. So Jones sent them photos of her sitting with this blonde-haired man on the beach. Eva recognized the tattoo on her daughter's ankle and said, quote, I knew Amy was okay, end quote. The Bradleys sent Jones more money, bringing their total to $210,000. They paid $24,000 out of pocket and the other $186,000 from a fund set up by the Nation's Missing Children Organization. Then the Bradleys set off on a flight to Florida to await their daughter's arrival. The Bradleys were on edge. They thought Amy would be home soon and they waited in a hotel room and a private jet was provided by Ron's employer and ready to bring Amy home. However, a week passed and I've heard nothing from Jones. So after days had passed and Amy's family didn't hear anything, one of Jones's men called, um, his name was Tim Buckholtz, a former army special forces sniper and started to wonder if Jones was telling the family the whole truth. So Tim was assigned to watch the house where Amy was supposedly being held. Instead of Amy being held by armed Colombians, the residents of the home were just an ordinary family. Tim overheard Jones telling the Bradleys that his people were watching the home, but this was a lie and that's when Tim knew something was wrong. Another member of Jones's team's Jono Senk said the photographs sent to the family were fake and the woman was an acquaintance of Jones's and that that's basically when Tim knew that he had to reach out to the Bradleys. So the Bradleys discovered Jones never served time in the special forces. He made all of this information up and fortunately enough, Jones was arrested for defrauding and was sentenced five years in prison. And he was also ordered to repay the Bradleys the $210,000. Judith, who was the lady that claimed she saw Amy going to the gym and the grocery store, was also charged with fraud and had to pay back $8,000 to the Bradleys. This is just extremely upsetting. You know, the family wasted basically two years with Jones thinking that he had eyes on her and really could have spent that time doing more productive things. And unfortunately, there are some cruel people in the world and this family has just really been through enough. So some do believe that there's one person that's a prime suspect in Amy's disappearance. Two college-aged women told Amy's parents that they saw Amy with Alistair Douglas, a.k.a. Yellow. And if you remembered from what I said before, this was the 
bass player from the band. So they were seen together around 5.45 a.m. The woman said Amy got out of the elevator and Alistair Douglas followed her. And this part is just weird and suspicious as fuck. So Douglas approached Brad, Amy's brother, the morning she disappeared and said, quote, I'm sorry to hear about your sister, end quote. However, the only people who knew Amy was even missing was the captain of the ship and security. So Amy's parents did report Alistair Douglas to the FBI. He was brought in for questioning and the FBI asked how he knew about her disappearance. But of course, he changed his story, claiming he knew nothing about it. The FBI did do a polygraph test to confirm this. And let's just keep in mind that polygraph tests are not super accurate, although, you know, they can be, but anyways, so with the polygraph and the questions asked, there just wasn't enough evidence to bring Douglas into custody, unfortunately. According to the reports, he was the last person to see Amy alive, but they didn't find anything to connect him to the crime. Amy Lynn Bradley was declared legally dead in 2010. Her body has never been found, and despite hitting many dead ends, the FBI investigation is still ongoing. The FBI has also offered up a $25,000 reward leading to the recovery of Amy and information that leads to the identification, arrest, and conviction of the person or persons responsible for her disappearance. Amy has short brown hair, green eyes, was 5'6", and weighing 120 pounds at the time of her disappearance. I will be posting pictures of Amy and what she looks like and Alistair Douglas on my Instagram page so you can see what Amy looks like. You never know. Maybe if you're on vacation somewhere, someone you know is going on vacation somewhere, you just don't know who's going to be where and what you might see. So that's it. That is the case of Amy Lynn Bradley. This story is just unbelievable and I feel so bad for Amy's family and everything that they've gone through and it's a huge reason why I started started my podcast to get stories like Amy's out there in the world and the more that these cases are talked about, hopefully the more media and the more coverage it gets and the closer we are to finding her and finding victims like Amy.